My youngest son, Sam, recently acquired a new pet. No, it was not a cuddly puppy, nor was it a cute kitten. And despite the fact that the Easter season is looming upon us, it was not a baby bunny. Rather, this is what he got. He named his crayfish Razor, which I think is probably a better name than calling it Fluffy or Cutie Pie or something like that. Uh, Brenda and I think that he is hideous. And when I look upon Razor and his face, I think that is a face that only a mother can love or an eight-year-old boy. And speaking of faces that only a mother can love, I wish I could tell you that that selfie was taken in preparation for a bit role on the AMC show The Walking Dead, but it was not. This was the day after my bicycling accident a couple weeks ago, and truly it is a face that only a mother can love. But my mama is not here, so I can say that it is a face that only a spouse can love. Speaking of faces only a mother can love, what about yours? Do you have a face that only a mother can love? And what do I mean by that? I think that question is actually answered in today's gospel reading. And and so to the gospel reading, we must go, and I invite you to read along with me in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Jesus speaks these words at the Passover table with his disciples. This new commandment, by the way, is not a commandment that's given to the entire world. Rather, it's a commandment that's given specifically to believers, to those disciples. And let's think about those disciples for a moment who are gathered around that table with Jesus. Jesus did not gather together people that looked the same, talked the same, or even thought the same. For instance, at that table... We had Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot. Two people that were on opposite ends of the spectrum. What do I mean? Tax collectors at that time, typically in Israel, and by the way, being April 15 today, it's very apropos that we talk about taxes. You have till midnight, by the way. Uh, Tax collectors at that time in Israel were Jews that worked for the hated Roman Empire, Jews that were collecting taxes from fellow Jews. And oftentimes, tax collectors were also viewed with suspicion because they had the reputation for pilfering from their fellow Jewish countrymen. So, for instance, if the Roman Empire was demanding $100 that each Jewish family were to pay in taxes, the tax collector might actually come along and demand $110. $100 goes to the empire, $10 goes into my pocket. On the other side of the equation, on the other side of the spectrum, we have the zealots. They were a political revolutionary force 
who hated the Roman Empire. They want to see nothing more than the empire to be booted out of Israel. And they were happy to do whatever it took, even if it resulted in violence. And they didn't look too kindly upon any collaborators with the Roman Empire. So you can only imagine what they thought of tax collectors. It's these two guys that are at the table with Jesus. It's these two guys that hear Jesus say, I give you a new command to love one another. And by the way, this isn't an emotive kind of love. This is that agape, that sacrificial, that action-oriented love. But Jesus didn't just give this new command to those first century disciples. Jesus also gives that command to us 21st century disciples. And the question is, how do you get a Matthew and a Simon to love one another? How do you get a uh, professor who is irritated by their student to love them? How do you get a resident to love their RA who has just uh, written them up? How do you get any Christian that annoys another Christian, Christians who get underneath each other's skins, to love one another? Do we just wish really hard and close our eyes and hope that it happens? Do we just kind of bear and grin through it? Do we just take Thumper's mom's advice that says, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all? It's a command that is given, so how do we fulfill it? The answer was literally staring Matthew and Simon in the face. And this is what he said to them. Now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. You see, Jesus spoke these words right after Judas left. And that was not just a mere coincidence. The betrayer had left to do his dirty deed. And the passion of Christ was imminent. And it is in that context in which Jesus talks about his glory. American Christians think about glory as being this kind of power thing. And Jesus would say, fine, do you want to see power? Then you look to my cross. For that is a context in which I talk about myself being glorified. And the Father being glorified is in the cross. Because that is where my glory shines through. A glory that shines through the gore. A glory that shines through the agony. A glory that shines through the pain. Look upon the face of the one who was beaten and bruised and broken. Hear his words spoken through cracked lips. My God, my God, why? See the darkness fall upon his face. A darkness that is indicative 
of a father that turns his face away from his son because his son has become sin. He has become our sin. He has become the sin of annoyance, the sin of irritation, the sin of disdain that we have for brothers and sisters in the faith. You see, it is Christ and him crucified that is the only means whereby a Matthew and a Simon go from foes to bros. They truly are brothers of the same mother because it was through that mother whereby they were reborn, where you and I are reborn. You see, amongst all the images that the Bible speaks about regarding the church, one of the images that we tend to forget is the image of the church as a mother. And we see this in places like Revelation chapter 12. And that mother, that church, was given the gift of the sacrament of holy baptism, whereby all believers are born anew. Believers like Matthew and Simon, like professors and students, like residents and RAs, like you and I. And the church is to be a place that welcomes all kinds of faces, regardless of their backgrounds, regardless of their personalities, is a place to say, you know what, the world does not love you, but your face here, your face that is a face that only a mother can love, that a church loves. And the reason being is because all of our faces are faces that only a mother can love. A beaten bruised, and broken mother that is eternally loved by the Father on account of Christ. It is out of Christ's agape, sacrificial, action-oriented love on the cross whereby you and I can love one another. It is also where we show the glory of God to a beaten, bruised, and broken world, as Jesus said in John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Therefore, look upon the face of the other beside you. See in that face, even in the face that may irritate you, annoy you, or anger you, see the face of Christ. For in your face, a face that might irritate, annoy, or anger the other, they too are to see the face of Jesus. Again, we are all faces that only a mother can love because in our baptisms we bear the face of Christ. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. May it ever be so for the sake of Jesus. Amen.